Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> Haven't we enjoyed this wonderful singing? God's presence. It's so good to see all of you here tonight. And I pray that the Lord will just bless you real good. Thank God for the privilege of being in his house together. Well, my subject tonight is one word. One five-letter word. You wonder what it is, don't you? Faith. Faith. <laughs> Faith is a key word in the Christian life. It's the master key that unlocks every door in God's great kingdom of love, mercy, and grace. Praise God. It's the golden key, the master key. And I want to begin by reading about it, and I'm going to read a number of scriptures. That's the reason why I haven't asked you to turn with me in your Bibles. You'd be flipping around, and uh, you wouldn't get all of the message. But here I go. We're saved by faith. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We're sanctified by faith. In Acts 26, 18 Paul says that the Lord appeared to him and commissioned him to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Saved by faith, sanctified by faith. We're kept by faith. In 1 Peter 1, 5, Peter wrote, You who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only that, we walk by faith. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith, not by sight. We live by faith. For Paul said in Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. We stand by faith. Paul said, by faith you stand. And he said, stand fast in the faith. We receive answers to prayer by faith. Hebrews 11, 6. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently 
Seek him. We resist and overcome Satan by faith. Ephesians 6, 16 says, Taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Praise God. You see why I said faith is the master key, the golden key that unlocks every door in God's great kingdom of mercy and grace. Praise the Lord. I read about John Wesley. John Wesley, that great preacher of the word of God, without John Wesley, we probably wouldn't have a Nazarene church here tonight because John Wesley preached that God is able to save us by his grace from a life of sin. But he went on to preach, and God is able to sanctify us wholly by the blessed Holy Spirit of God. Thank God for John Wesley. John Wesley rode over hundreds of miles horseback to preach the gospel. And everywhere he went, people got saved. People got sanctified. Men got called to preach. And those men that were called of God to preach under his ministry, he sort of formed a conclave of them. And they would come in every once in a while and sit around a big round table and tell about what God was doing in their ministry in that town over there, in that community over yonder, that city over there, that town over there. They would all come in and give a report of what God was doing. As they talked, they had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful results to bring. But the subject of faith came up. And not one of those great preachers of the word of God could come up with what they believed was a satisfactory definition of faith. Not even John Wesley. John Wesley sent out after a little lady that loved God with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. She was a child of God from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. He stood her in the midst of those men and said, Sister, tell us, what is faith? She didn't hesitate. She didn't bat her eyes. She said, it is taking God at his word. It is taking God at his word. That's good enough for me, Wesley said. <laughs> and that's good enough, good enough for old Mickey tonight. <laughs> it is taking God at his word. I was preaching a revival in Newport, Tennessee. I think it's along about 1993, somewhere along there. And they had us in a very comfortable motel up on a ridge overlooking that beautiful mountain area. But you know my wife wasn't satisfied with that. She's the world's greatest shopper. 
She said, honey, let's go to the store. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I did, I gave in. And we got in the car and we started toward Walmart. And we passed a little storefront church with a big sign out in front. And you know what it said on it? Faith is taking God at his word. And I about had a conniption fit. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> in Newport, Kentucky, they knew that. Didn't you used to pastor in Newport, Bob, one time? Tennessee. I mean Tennessee. That's what I meant to say. Newport, Tennessee. What did I say? Oh, my. Old Mickey's off base already. <laughs> Dr. Greathouse was my theology professor at uh, Trevecca Nazarene College. He taught systematic theology, and he had a class full of boys that were studying for the ministry. And I tell you, he was great. Not only was his name Great House, he was a great man. He was a tall man. And he almost had to stoop to get through that door to come into that classroom to teach us boys. Great House made a confession to us one day. He said, when I was growing up, I thought that faith is trying to make yourself believe what you know ain't so. He said, but thank God I came to see that faith is believing that what God has promised he is able to perform. <laughs> Beloved, the kind of faith that pleases God is simple, childlike faith. Just simple. Jesus said, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. What a statement from our blessed Savior. Childlike, simple faith. W.M. Tidwell was pastor of the Nazarene Church, the first church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for many, many years, 40-odd years, I think. And once in a while, he'd come to Trevecca and preach in the chapel service. And his church was good to him. They'd allow him to go off and hold revival meetings here and there for everybody who wanted to hear him preach. And uh, Dr. Tidwell told about the time he was holding a revival meeting in Mayfield, Kentucky. There it is. That's right. I got it now. <laughs> Mayfield, Kentucky. 
And he was invited one day while he was there in revival to the home of the Yates family for a meal. He enjoyed it very much. Sister Yates said to him while he was there, she said, Brother Tidwell, I want to tell you about my little boys, Danny and Cecil. She said, I was um, in the kitchen one day just beginning to scratch my head. Now, what am I going to fix for dinner? And said, uh, my little boys ran in and said, Mama, Mama, could we have fish for dinner today? They had a fish man in that town that they called him the fish man. And he had a little wooden cart that his horse pulled and had big wheels on it, and he had a bell on that thing, and he'd go all over Mayfield, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, ringing that bell, and when you'd hear that bell, you knew it was time to go out and get the fish. <laughs> she said, boys, I'm sorry, the fish man's already passed this way today. He never comes back. She said, they said, they said, oh, mama. Said, that ain't no problem. Said, we'll just ask God to send him back. She said, oh, no, boys, don't do that. <laughs> she went over to the sink that was under the window that looked out across the front of the house from the porch and she saw them two little boys sitting out there on the edge of the porch dangling their feet over and doing this with their feet she said oh no they were looking down the road And about that time, she heard it. Ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. What do you think? He came back. As far as we know, he never did it again. But that day, he came back because two little boys had faith in God. Simple, childlike faith. Way back in the country, before the days of automobile, typhoid fever was raging in a certain home. They'd already lost a daughter, and the son was very low. They sent for the old country doctor. It was a long way to where he was. But somehow they got the word to him, and he hitched his horse up to his buggy and drove way out there in the country to that country home and tied his horse, went up the steps of that country home. The mother was so thankful that he came she took him into the bedroom where the boy was lying. 
about to die with typhoid fever. He examined the boy. Didn't say a word, just kind of shook his head to the mother like this and motioned for her to go in the next room. They went into the next room where the boy couldn't hear. And he said, we might save him if we had ice, but it would take hours to get it. That little lady that loved God with all of her being and was really a prayer warrior, she took seriously Jesus' words, when you pray, enter into thy closet and shut to thy door and pray to thy Father who seeth in secret and thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. She took him seriously and she went into her closet of prayer and shut the door and got on her knees and said, Father, thou hast promised to supply our needs unless ice is obtained Immediately. The doctor says, my son will be gone. She said, Father, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm believing that somehow you're going to send ice to us. And this story, which is true, said that when she went into that closet of prayer, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. But while she was on her knees, the black clouds began to gather. And pretty soon they heard rain on that old tin roof. And then it was no longer rain. It was ice falling on that roof and piling up against the, the fence rows. And that old Christian lady took her dented up dishpan and ran down <laughs> to where the ice was and scooped it up and ran back <laughs> and handed it to the doctor <laughs> and said, Doctor, here it is. She said, God sent it. The old doctor scratched his head and said, I've never seen it on this fashion. <laughs> I told that story <laughs> in Port Arthur, Texas, in a revival meeting <laughs> several years ago. And after the service, a man ran up to me. His name was Bo La Prairie. And Bo said, Mickey, he said, I'm glad you told that story about the boy with typhoid fever. He said, when I was growing up, I had it. And said, my mother, who was a wonderful Christian, got down by the side of my bed and called on God for me. And he said, Mickey, I'm here. Because God answered my mother's prayer today. I was preaching a, what do you call it, an a area, a, an area revival or camp meeting like we're going to have in just a week, couple of weeks or so over at Fort Mill for the whole area, churches of the area. They were having it at Winchester, Indiana, and the churches would come in every night, and we'd have a great, great time in God while they were there. And I told this story one night while I was preaching. 
after the service, people were passing by, commenting to me on the way out. A man came up to me and he said, uh, Preacher, <clears throat> he said, I'm a medical doctor. I'll never forget his words. He said, I'll never be the same after tonight. I'll never be the same again. The power of God. God's power to answer prayer. Charles Henbest, everybody called him Charlie. Charlie Henbest was one of the most well-known evangelists for years in the Church of the Nazarene. Sarah and I were in our first pastorate down at Brookhaven, Mississippi. We started the work there with a handful, just one family of Nazarenes and God enabled us to knock on doors and to get the word out. And by the time we left it, five and a half years after five and a half years of ministry, there was a strong Church of the Nazarene in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Why? Because God answered prayer. But while we were there, we heard that Charlie Henbest was preaching a revival down in Hammond, Louisiana. It was a pretty good drive from Brookhaven, Mississippi to Hammond, Louisiana. But I said to our Sunday school superintendent, Brother Kenneth Eady, and his wife Peggy, I said, I heard that Charlie Henbest is in Hammond uh, preaching a revival meeting. Would y'all like to get in my car and let's all four of us go down there to hear him? They said, man... Would we like to hear? Would we like to go? We went. And I've never been sorry. <clears throat> he and Best had some of the most wonderful answers to prayer of anybody that I've ever been around. He used to tell about the time that he and his wife were in a revival meeting up north somewhere, way up north in one of the northern states. Brother Henbest was from Rogers, Arkansas, but this, this was way, way, way away from there. I can't remember the state. But he said the revival was very difficult. We had an awful, awful time. He said, every service, a group of men, big, robust men, would come in, kind of like a regiment of soldiers. They'd come in and file in and sit down and take up a whole pew. He said they'd just sit there, never would smile, never would speak, never would... Pray when we prayed, never would bow their heads. 
never would sing when we sang a song. Just sit there like stone statues. He said, honey, I hope we don't ever have to go back to that church again. She said, Charlie, I'm disappointed in you. Those were beautiful, wonderful people. He said, oh, but those men... They went on home. It was about a year or so later he got a letter from that pastor. Dear Brother Henbest, such and such a time we want to have our revival meeting. Will you please come? We want you to be our evangelist. He said, I read that letter. said, I went to my slate hoping that I'd already have a meeting slated that date. But would you believe it was open? I felt like I had to do it. I sat down and wrote that pastor a letter. And I was hoping all the time I was writing that letter that some kind of an epidemic would break out about that time and I wouldn't have to go. he said the time came we got in the car just rode and rode and rode and rode and said when we pulled in the parsonage yard or drive whatever He said, there they were standing out there waiting on us. <laughs> the pastor and his wife. We got out of the car and had our greetings. And said, maybe I ought not to have done it. But I said to the preacher's wife, who was just a little frail lady, not hardly even five feet tall, probably, sickly, frail. I said to her, are those men still here? She said, yes, Brother Henbest, but I've got good news for you. I prayed clear through on those men. And God told me he's going to save every one of them in this revival. She said, and my faith hadn't failed me yet. He said, we started the meeting. And said, I preached every night. Gave an invitation every night. But those men sat there just like stone statues. Never moved. He said along about Thursday, 
I think it was in the afternoon. I asked that pastor's little wife, how's your faith? She said, Brother Henbest, my faith hasn't failed me yet. He said, that night I preached. He said, when I gave the invitation, I went back where those big men were sitting. Laid my hand on one of them's arm. Said it felt like a light post. I said, wouldn't you like to give your heart to God? He said, no, and you can't make me. We went home that night. Heads bowed low except for the pastor's wife. She was all smiles. She said, my faith hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> he said, Saturday night after the service, a blizzard rolled in. Snowstorm. said, when I got up Sunday morning and looked out the window, snow was piled up everywhere. And I said, glory to God. Thank the Lord. Now the people won't be able to get to church, and that poor little woman won't have to lose her faith. He said, but they came through the snow. Church house filled up. We had a good service. Those men just sat there. We went back to the parsonage. I thought, well, I wonder if the people have come back tonight. Didn't say much about it, but said, sure enough, they came back. Those men marched in like a regiment of soldiers and filled up the pew and sat there and just looked straight ahead. He said, I preached. And gave the invitation. And nobody came to the altar but a little nine-year-old girl. She was over at the, that side of the altar. Just praying her little heart out. And people were around her praying for her. And she just stayed on her knees and stayed on her knees and stayed and stayed. And the people prayed. And 
They tried to, to help her through. That little old girl said, I reckon I'll know when I get saved. And she stayed. And a few people stayed with her. But here and there, the people got up, one and two here, and three, four there, went out of the church. Little by little, they just left the church except that little girl and a few that were praying for over at the other end of the church at the altar, other side of the church, was a little woman on her knees looking up like this to heaven with her hands up. Pastor's wife that I couldn't hear. I don't know what she was saying, but I think she was saying to the Lord, my faith hadn't failed me yet. And he said, after a while, the door of the church just flew open and one of those big men jumped up in the foyer and Stomped the snow off his boots and just literally ran down that aisle to the altar and fell across the altar and started crying, Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, have mercy on my poor lost soul. Oh God, please have mercy on me. The Lord saved him. And he testified. He said, I believe God saved me. He said, I went home and sat down on the edge of the bed to take my boots off. And God spoke to me and said, if you don't do it now, I'll never speak to you again. He said, I had to come. About that time, the door flew open again, and another one of those big men jumped up in the foyer and ran down to the altar and fell across. And God saved and <laughs> testified. It said we were there into the early hours of the morning praying and those men one by one came back and fell at that altar and gave their hearts to God all because of one little frail preacher's wife that wouldn't take no for an answer. said after that we held a good many revivals at that church said it was a sight to behold some of those men would be out in the parking lot in helping people get out of their cars and, <laughs> and some would be standing in the foyer and welcoming people and he said <laughs> those men would take up the offering and he said some of those men were in the choir he said it was never the same. I told you about Dr. Greathouse. <clears throat> One day in class, <clears throat> Brother Greathouse 
Oh, I thank God that I was under him. I, I never ceased to thank God. He was a pastor at that time, but then he became the college president, and then he became a general superintendent. But he always remained humble, no matter how high his elevation in the church. But I'll never forget one day in class he told about a little boy. He said the little boy <clears throat> came to his daddy one day. It must have been along about October or something like that. said, Daddy, Christmas is coming, ain't it? <laughs> he said, well, son, yeah, but it'll be a while before Christmas. The little boy said, Daddy, <clears throat> I know that you don't have a lot of money. But Daddy, please, sir, when it comes Christmas time, could I have a little red wagon to pull? He said, son, I, I don't know that I can promise you that. He said, uh, we're poor. We don't have a lot of money. Times are hard. He said, but Daddy, if you know how bad I wanted it, you'd say yes. And his daddy said, son, I don't know what we'll do to get it. but we're going to somehow get that little red wagon for you. <laughs> Turn me on. Open the door to the living room where that Christmas tree was. And Debbie, there it was right under the tree. In a little red wagon. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Faith in God. Turn it on. <laughs>